0: hello all things right and musical listeners i hope you're safe and well and i'm coming to you from the all things right and musical production studio which is a place that i have not visited very frequently as of late we do have lots of different episodes uh, in production some of which we recorded a very long time ago indeed and uh, it's just a matter of getting them up and ready to um, a state that you would feel uh, comfortable listening to them in Um, In the meantime, however, I thought it would be fun to go back and visit uh, our Holy Week series. This was a series that we started uh, as an in-depth conversation about each of the services of Holy Week, uh, beginning with Palm Sunday. So that's the episode I'm bringing to you today, episode 18. Uh, Palm Sunday, the first episode in our Holy Week series. If you heard it before, it's been a while. It's been about three years, as hard as that is to believe. This episode came out in February of 2018. And if you haven't heard this episode, it's new to you. So until we can bring you some new episodes, I hope you'll enjoy this episode from the All Things Right and Musical Archives, episode 18, Palm Sunday.
1: We'll have to talk about liturgical colors, too especially once we get into the tridium that's right yeah because people have some opinions what don't pe- people
0: have opinions about uh well i mean that's i mean literally- nihilism <laughs> that was really deep <laughs> that's a meta joke <laughs> um there's two kinds of people in this world. There's people who have strong liturgical opinions. Uh, and there's people
1: who utterly do not care. Y- yeah. I thought you were. Um, I've, I've heard that there's two types of people uh, in this world those who can est- extrapolate from incomplete data. It's <laughs> another bad joke. <laughs> I didn't even really let you finish it.
0: <laughs> no, that was yeah. Yeah, I know. I know it was. <laughs> no, I, I know. I just I am not sure it's clear to people listening that, <laughs> that was the end of the joke. <laughs> oh dear. Uh. I've been out-joked already. <laughs> Sorry about that. It's okay. Yeah. Well, I'll I'll try to recover.
1: <laughs> Hi, I'm David. I'm an organist. And I'm Ian and I'm a priest. And this is All Things Right and Musical. Beep. And this is actually the first in a Lenten series that we're doing. We're doing a series of four episodes around the liturgies of uh, Holy Week. Um, right? Isn't Palm Sunday Holy Week? It's definitely Holy Week. Okay. Let's, let's start there. Let's, okay. start,
0: let's start with Palm Sunday.
1: So we're starting with Palm Sunday and then looking at the liturgies of the Triduum. So Monday, Thursday, Good Friday, and the Easter Vigil.
0: Yeah. And I, I for one, know that it's Holy Week because I look at my liturgical calendar and bam, there it is. It's in red. Palm Sundays in red. Right. The whole week is in yeah, red. Yeah, it would be. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So we totally get to group all this together. And this is uh, episode one in
1: our four-part series. Four-part Holy Week series. It's our uh, Lenten discipline this year. It's our Holy Week discipline this year. That's what I said. Oh, well, no, no. I mean, we're no, we're obviously like recording it. them during Lent. Okay, fine. I guess the game is up. And they're, gonna, <laughs> <laughs> they're also going to come out. Coming to you from the future.
0: <laughs> they're going to come out in Lent, too. So people will know. Right. Yeah. Okay, yeah. good. Good. So So Palm Sunday. Palm Sunday.
1: Passion Sunday.
0: Oh. Well which one is it called? What's it what's it actually called?
1: Uh it's called it's called Palm Sunday in the Col- prayer book. Colon, the Sunday of the Passion. The Sunday of the Passion. Doesn't it have both names? Uh I believe it does. What page of the prayer book are we on here? We are on two seventy and is that right oh, one or Sunday, right two? The Sunday of the Passion. Oh, that one's first. Palm the Sunday. Sun, the Sunday
0: of the Passion: colon Palm Sunday.
1: But then the then the on the bottom of the page it says Palm Sunday. That's true.
0: So it kind of kind of gives away what they're actually thinking.
1: Spoiler alert.
0: Yeah, oh, that's true of a lot of things in the calendar, though, that they have like a long name. Uh huh. And then they have the the the, 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 the short name, and the and the prayer book will use both of them. Yeah. Like the presentation of our Lord Jesus Christ in the temple, Mm -hmm. the prayer book often just refers to that as the presentation. Yeah. Yeah. Probably for reasons of space. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Cool.
1: They had a page count.
0: That they had a certain number of pages that they had to get to?
1: Yeah. No, that they had to be less than. Oh. They were given a 1,000 page maximum. Well, they just made it. They sure did actually it's a
0: thousand and one. Well that's with the new lectionary though. I think oh, the, yeah, I think yeah. the other one came in under under a thousand pages. But just. Am I, right. Yeah, I think so.
1: So cool. yeah. It's Palm Sunday. Yeah, so it starts
0: um with this liturgy of the palms. Often. Often. Yes. Is it optional? Uh I don't think so. I think no. I think you have to do it. Yeah. This is the liturgy for the day.
1: Well but it does at the Eucharist it says when the liturgy of the palms immediately precedes the Eucharist. The celebration begins with the salutation and collect of the day.
0: Hmm. So, so what
1: else could it proceed? Morning prayer? I, I don't know. I don't know. That's the, that's the rubric that's always confused me. So if anyone has a better idea of what that... Uh, uh, what that's talking about there? Yeah. Like, I don't think it's meant to be optional. No. Well, the part that looks optional is like
0: where you do it. Because the first rubric on page 270 is... When circumstances permit, yeah. the congregation may gather at a place apart from the church. Right. Um, so that's that's the part that I think people can throw themselves into a tizzy about. It's like, where do we do this? Do we do this in the church? Where's the choir? Where do we do it at the front of the church? Do we in the in back of the church? Right. When do you pass out the palms? Do you do it as people are coming in the door? Do you do it during the during the liturgy of the palms itself?
1: And how um, how boisterously do you wave your palms when the procession is going on? uh what about processions outside have you seen that i, I was at a one of one of the fielded parishes i was at in seminary did a procession around the block yeah.
0: with bagpipes yeah oh so why do we have to bring bagpipes into this uh
1: i don't there this is not it was not the only church that does this yeah i don't i don't know where I, that tradition stems from okay, exactly okay
0: i mean bagpipes are an instrument that that work outside. I just, yes. I, I would have to talk to a bagpiper and figure out if they could
1: really even play <laughs> all glory, laud, and honor or not. Can't, <laughs> it was, it, was that the hymn that you used outside? I, you know, I honestly can't even remember what hymn was played. Yeah.
0: Well, there's a lot of options because there's, there's also a processional psalm Yes. that shows up in the hymnal. That's, an, that's another thing you can do mm-hmm. outside if you've got a way to, to really lead that. Um, yeah, and that has, that has a nice refrain actually. Mm-hmm. So that's something I feel like I've used in a procession outside, yeah. to with some success that you can get people to sing um, the hosanna in the highest mm-hmm. refrain every every verse. So right yeah For me, because I've done this almost as many different ways as I've done Palm Sunday liturgies. Uh-huh. <laughs> I mean there's always something a little bit different about it. For me, it's the nature of the day to be a little bit, chaotic and busy and um celebratory as much as you can as much as you can muster it but the idea that you know you're not going to really organize good hymn singing or even good processional psalm singing uh-huh. outside like you're going to do your best but you have to accept that it's going to be a little bit chaotic and right then the transition into the church i mean you're getting a whole in most cases a whole church worth of people into whatever doors you've got available to get them in right that's going to take a minute and then you know you've got to have some kind of uh, usually, musical way <laughs> right. to to uh, sustain the festivity, mm-hmm. and then you know, usually uh, I think in what I've done, um, at least one additional hymn once you get inside, sort of an inside gathering hymn for um, for all that all that stuff that's gone on, right? To sort of focus people once again. Mm-hmm.
1: So. You know, so doing a Palm Sunday procession, especially if you're at a downtown church or something, makes I think a great deal of sense. It's at least out visible in the community in Mm -hmm. a way you know we talked about that for ashes to go we did Um, yeah and that's that's another way of being present and being visible which i think is really valuable but you're right there's i mean there are logistical realities around that i mean i'll say to a degree
0: i mean i'm I'm thinking in particular about the cathedral in indianapolis Uh which is um really beautifully situated right in the very center of the city Mm -hmm. and um a bit of trivia here that city is actually in the very center of the state of Indiana. Wow. Because when it was founded, they were really into geographical surveying. Uh-huh. And so they're like, where should we put the governor's mansion? I know. We should put it in the middle. Uh-huh. <laughs> so they so they did that. And that over time turned into a monument. And then that area is known as Monument Circle. So it's a it's a fabulous area. It's very, very busy during the week. I will say on Sunday morning not a lot of activity on Monument Circle. I mean, yeah. there's the cathedral there, and that's kind of about it. So, uh-huh. you know, you have a few stray cars kind of driving around the circle for whatever reason, but it's not it's not as public as you might think in, in actual fact. Right. It feels public because you're, you know, out in front of God and
1: everyone mm-hmm. um, just there in the middle of the street. But it's just that that's uh, it's in front of God and that portion of everyone that's actually there. Right. Which is not a significant... It's not a significant everyone. Right. Yeah. Okay. I guess what I'm trying to say by all that is, it's
0: it's more sort of symbolically public, uh-huh. at least in that in that circumstance.
1: Which I mean, there's value in too. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, this is uh, in the grand scheme of things, this is unlikely to be an attractional liturgy. Meaning, even if you do it publicly, the odds that you're gonna have someone go, "Oh, there's a Palm Sunday procession. I'm gonna join in that," are are. Those odds are relatively slim, right? Relatively slim. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, sure. I'm trying to put myself in the in the
0: shoes of like a, a non-church person observing this happening. Yeah. Uh, so I will say the most interesting procession I've ever seen um, is at Trinity Wall Street. Okay. And this is really neat because they, they webcast all their services. And on that day, they get cameras outside. And I mean, it's really fabulous the, the amount of visual information that they're able to communicate on their webcast from that procession. And I believe that the... Procession begins in St. Paul's Chapel, which is some which is a separate building some distance away from Trinity Church. It is, and then um, I remember them having an NYPD squad car at the head of their uh, liturgical procession, which is actually taking place in the street. Um, and they're there they go, kind of with their bells and their noisemakers and. I think somebody has a pair of cymbals that they're crashing <laughs> every so often, yeah. and um, I mean it's really kind of noisy and raucous and colorful and joyful and extremely urban. I mm-hmm. mean you're in, you're in Lower Manhattan, and right? So there, I mean that that's sort of the most public one I can think of, uh-huh. and yeah, I mean if I don't know that you would literally join it, but I mean psychologically, it 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 garners your attention, right? Yeah, right, right. Is that the right word? Garners?
1: Uh, yeah. I don't think it's wrong. Maybe an uncommon usage Okay, in that context. I'll, I'll leave it in and my wife can correct me later. <laughs> so you have the procession and that's a big deal. And obviously you want to think through when those palms are distributed. You're right that the, that the rubrics sort of have an option around when they can be handed out.
0: Right. And so are the palms actually blessed? Because I also have a memory of um, holding up the palms at a certain point during the blessing. Let these branches be for us signs of his victory and grant that we who bear them in his name may ever hail him as our king and follow him in the way that leads to eternal life. So it's not, not a blessing. I mean, it's, it's sort of making them a symbol uh, in the same way that Ash has become a symbol on, um, on Ash Wednesday. Uh, Very similar, in fact. Yeah. And, and, um, how fitting because those two things are linked. Right. Actually in the, in the liturgical vocabulary. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah um the i mean at least traditionally most parishes are taking the palms from the prior year's palm sunday and burning them to make the ashes for ash wednesday right so yeah i mean there is definitely a, a sort of connection in that these are um sort of sacramental not sacraments right um but sort of um quasi sacraments or or um you know, just sacramental items that that play a prominent role in the in the liturgy. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and then you you sort of it's it, the the liturgy is interesting for Palm Sunday because you're split you're basically splitting the gospel in half, right, and reading half in one part of the liturgy and half in the other. Well, I mean, if you're reading the the full
0: passion story or even even the shorter excerpt that's given, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, that's in terms of length, you really have the bulk of the gospel being read in the, within the Eucharist. Right. Um,
1: right. But you start, you have a a, a, right. a, a gospel passage yeah. read in the first part of the liturgy, which, yeah. is, which makes it sort
0: of unique. Oh, sure. Um, yeah. I mean, this is a very unique day. I mean, there's no other day when we have anything re- resembling a gospel reading yeah. Um, but uh, but at,
1: at the front part of the liturgy. Sorry, just to finish that thought. No, that's fair. Uh, it, and it sort of plays into this idea that, I, you know, it, I think that Palm Sunday is one of, the, one of the stumbling blocks liturgically for a lot of people with the 79 prayer book because of the way that it's set up. Because it is, um, it's, it's a very sort of polar day um, that you have this exaltation followed by this um, lament followed by the followed by the passion Mm -hmm. um and you're reading gospel passages that sort of echo both of those elements the Mm -hmm. the triumphal entry and the the crucifixion and so i think for a lot of people it's too much you know well yeah and i i i encountered that argument um
0: but the passion itself in a way is too much i Mm -hmm. mean in no in no other day do we read that much scripture. Right. I mean, even if you limited it to the passion, mm-hmm. um, that's a lot. And then we're also tacking on the triumphal entry because this is the Sunday that historically the church has, has commemorated this too.
1: Right. Yeah. Um, but you'll hear a lot of people sort of criticizing or 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 wishing that the Palm Sunday liturgy were changed if we do um, engage in prayer book revision because it has this sort of. Um, uh, this sort of interesting character of of almost two distinct services mm-hmm. um, with this juxtaposition of the images of the triumphal entry and the and the, the passion. Right. Um, I yeah and it's I It's a roller coaster.
0: I think so. But I, I enjoy that that richness. I mean I think the the passion story itself is a roller coaster. It doesn't really matter where you start it. Yeah that's true. I mean it's it's a, it's a dramatic story. Yeah.
1: No, and I, I and I I genuinely like Palm Sunday. I just don't wanna I, I, I feel like we should we have to at least acknowledge and grapple with that fact that for a lot of people this is it's a it's a tough day. Sure. Um and and in some ways a confusing day because you have um sort of both emotional extremes. Sure. Um, but I think, I mean, I think it's good. I think, I think there's an there's something important in realizing how quickly the triumphal entry can turn into cries of crucify him, mm-hmm. um, and that's what that's what the Palm Sunday liturgy is really all about. Yeah.
0: So there's a, there's a small liturgical question that I'm encountering here. Okay. Uh, I see the, the, in the, in the, in the liturgy of the palms, I see the gospels listed here in the, in the prayer book. Uh huh. Um, but it's not clear from the prayer book, whether you do the typical introduction for a gospel reading or not. Um, a
1: reading, uh, what, how, do, how does that follow? The, the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: Cause I feel like I've. I feel like I've always heard it introduced that way, but I'm not sure that that's intended or not. Well, it doesn't actually clarify. Um, it does say a deacon or other person appointed. So if it's another another person appointed that is not a deacon or priest, then, then really they should be introducing it as a reading. Right, as a lesson. Yeah. Without the
0: Eucharistic gospel.
1: Right. But I think that um, if it's read by a deacon or a priest... Um, that it should have those. So I'm. One of the things I brought with us today is uh,
0: this ceremonial guide by Leonel L. Mitchell, which is called Lent, Holy Week, Easter, and the Great Fifty Days: A Ceremonial Guide. Um, and in that guide, on uh, in this portion talking about Palm Sunday, it does say the deacon then sings or reads the Gospel of the Triumphal Entry. With the usual announcement, conclusion, and responses, mm-hmm. so that that's yet another element of this sort of doubling up of the day. That not only do you have two gospels, but it feels like you've got two gospels because it's introduced in the same way that you always introduce the gospel.
1: Well, the first one is, mm-hmm. and then the second one oh, is introduced. That's differently.
0: right. No, no, I misspoke. You're absolutely right. Yeah, that the other one begins. There's a historic precedent for this, mm-hmm. introducing it as the passion. Right. Yeah.
1: Right. And that's, I mean, that too is very interesting because we are, that is a theological claim. We are saying that there is something different about Mm -hmm. this reading Mm -hmm. compared to every other gospel reading that we hear. Yeah. That there is something distinctive about the gospel that's being read on this particular day. And there's there's another tradition that goes along with
0: that of having uh, it sung by three ministers, I guess probably deacons or I'm not sure how many places had three deacons available, mm-hmm. if they were incorporating cantors or whoever they were uh-huh. incorporating, um, that you would have one one person take the role of narrator, another person take the role of Christ, and a third person take the role of the crowd, essentially, mm-hmm. um, and, uh, and other parts as well. Uh, but dramatically, you there there is this ancient tradition of, of having that presented in a slightly more dramatic way just by the sort of assigning of, three distinct roles yeah three distinct voices to read that story
1: yeah but truth be told i'm not sure exactly how ancient that tradition is i would have to i'd have to look into it because it 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 seems or has the feel to me of a of a sort of medieval um yeah. christianity which is still ancient in its own right I think that's compared fair. to the yeah. present day but but i don't know that that dates back to the early church i don't i don't know when that came about i should look that up but
0: along with that, let's assume it is a sort of medieval tradition. Along with that tradition, um, there's, this, there's this wonderful um, change in the chant, in the, in the chant that's used for the gospel. There's a, there's a real lament that comes into the chant after the death of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, the tone literally switches. Yeah. And it's something called the Planctus tone, um, which is uh, the, the recitation formula that's used for the very end mm-hmm. of the Passion narrative. So, just drama all the way around, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah and and it's I mean, it's interesting that it's always been sort of intended that drama, right um, that this is a day where we uh, for lack of a better word, sort of ham it up liturgically, you know I mean we we're we're, we're trying to convey something really complicated and really meaningful, and we do that with with a, a sort of multiplicity of images and ways of representing that.
0: So there's one more thing I wanted to bring up. Yes, because you—I mean—you made reference to this. That this is a hard day for people. Uh huh. Um, it's a difficult thing to sort of wrap your mind around. Dramatically, it—it it almost seems to be at cross purposes with itself. Mm-hmm. So there is a movement. I'm not sure if I can call it a movement, but I'm aware of um, places that have that have been experimenting with this liturgy. Mm-hmm. Um, So much so that they make the day entirely Palm Sunday. Yeah. That it's it's more of a standard Eucharist and that the gospel within the Eucharist is the palm gospel. Right. And in these cases, the Passion Gospel is either Mm omitted entirely... Or it's reserved for the very end of the service,
1: right? And I think that really changes the weight of the day.
0: Have you Have you encountered this?
1: I I know I I've never been in a service that does it this way, um, but Not I know either. of people who do it this way. Um, I know of priests whose congregations do it that way. Um, and it's it, it's interesting. I think you know if. Yeah. Uh, the one thing I I am not at all crazy about is omitting it entirely, and the argument there is: well, we hear it on Good Friday, so do we need to hear it twice in the same week? But there's a there's a difference because yeah. on Good Friday the passion that, that we read is from John's gospel. Oh, it's from John, uh, and John's gospel has a very different character from the synoptic um, stories of the passion mm-hmm. um, that we that we hear on Palm Sunday. So I think that. Um, I think that the power of having that story told twice is, first of all, it's a really important story. Um, we hear the Transfiguration twice every year. Shouldn't we hear the Passion twice every year? Well, so you're
0: using the word "twice" very interestingly here, because you're sort of you're sort of assuming that you'll have people in church on Sunday, right? That you'll also have in church on the Feast of the Transfiguration on August sixth and also come to church on Good Friday. Right. Yeah. yeah. Where, where in actual fact, there's probably a, a good segment of people who no matter how much you tuck and pull yeah. will only come to church on Sunday.
1: No, I mean, that's that's absolutely true. But if we're willing to say that there are stories that are important enough to show up twice in our lectionary, um, shouldn't, I mean, shouldn't this be one of this them? This should definitely be one of them. And, uh, and, and yeah, it's maybe a little weird that it's twice in the same week as opposed to twice <laughs> over the course of the year. Um, but, but I think that it's important to hear this story, to reflect on this story, and to think about what this story means and what this story tells us about God. Yeah. Um, because that's where, in terms of theology, that's where the rubber meets the road for the vast majority of Christian history is um, we worship a cruciform God. I I will say, and and maybe this gets left on the cutting room floor, but in terms of changing the liturgy entirely and moving the passion to the end, um, I mean, that's interesting, but but to me, that's trying to sort of recreate something that already exists in the Easter Triduum, that sense of incompleteness, that sense of Um, sort of waiting for the next part of what's coming Hmm. and i think that rightly belongs to the triduum services and we're we're it's not ideal to try and sort of recreate that on palm sunday incompleteness in the sense of you're you're waiting for the passion well yeah waiting for the passion and and when if that's what you end with if that's the last thing then it's then it's for people who are used to worshiping in a certain way, then it's very, very different from the way that you do the the, the rest of your Sunday liturgies, right? Mm-hmm. And it has to me that sense of incompleteness, that sense of sort of a cliffhanger, because you you know, I mean, you you don't want to anticipate, but you know what's coming, right? And so, what, what's interesting,
0: I'm trying to, I'm, I haven't because I haven't been to a liturgy where the passion is literally moved to the tail end, yeah. If you read the passion at the gospel mm-hmm. at, in, within the Eucharist, then it's followed by the Eucharist. Right, it's followed by Holy Communion. Yeah, and I think that you know that always sort of helps put things in perspective. Right. I mean, one of, one of the things we talked about in connection with ashes to go is that the symbol of our mortality and penitence mm-hmm. is then within the Ash Wednesday liturgy is followed by Holy Communion. Right. Um, that you get that you get that sense of grace. Exactly. And. Um, within the Eucharistic prayer, you hear, you hear how the story ends, right? um, All all the way around. Exactly. That's true on Palm Sunday, just as much. That's just as much true on Palm Sunday.
1: Yeah. And, and the, the Triduum is, is, which we'll talk about, um, is, is really sort of one liturgy in three parts. And so it's meant to feel incomplete because it's not complete. If you just go to one of those services, if you go to Maundy Thursday, then it, it, the liturgy doesn't end, right? You know, mm-hmm. you're 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 supposed to come back for Good Friday because that's the that's the middle part of it, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that I think that ending with the Passion and sort of setting it off in a way that that feels, um, bizarre—not really bizarre, but feels um out of the ordinary and feels disjointed and jarring—is. Mm-hmm is trying to do that in the context of Sunday morning. And I don't know that it works as well. So it's interesting because, because a lot of the words you use to criticize that have already been
0: used to criticize this liturgy. So, you know, without ever having attended one of these services,
1: Uh I have to say, I have some sympathy for the impulse that, you know, I, and I do too. And I think the, I think the, the argument that's strongest for it is if we live in a, if we are really truly live in a post-Christendom culture where you can't expect everyone to be there for the Easter Triduum liturgies, then is, is that sense of connecting the passion that we hear that Sunday to the following services that they're likely to attend on Easter Sunday? Is that at least better than, Oh, that's interesting. Not experiencing the Triduum at all and not getting any of that. Well, I I think that could be a pretty compelling argument.
0: Yeah, in, in other words, to create the cliffhanger for Easter, right? For people who just would not come Thursday, Friday, Saturday, exactly, yeah.
1: exactly. But I am I I am such a Holy Week aficionado that I think that far better than anything is to get people to the Easter Triduum liturgies yeah. and to make it so that people are able to attend those. Yeah, you know, which means maybe flexing a little bit on the idea that we only offer Good Friday that day at noon, mm, mm-hmm. you know? And we'll talk about that in our upcoming Good Friday episode. Right. Yeah.
0: Well, that's good. There, there's one more thing in connection with this I just want to mention. Okay. Because it seems like this comes up every year at least. Uh, and that's this idea of um, the old prayer book. And, and there's an old name floating out there, of Passion Sunday. Uh-huh. And that's typically the fifth Sunday in Lent. And a lot of times the argument is made, well, the Passion used to be read on a different day. Right. And it was read on the fifth Sunday in Lent. And as far as I can tell, I have seen no evidence that that is true whatsoever. Yeah. The name Passion Sunday was used, but that's actually in connection with Passion Tide, a sort of intensification in the last two weeks of Lent. Mm -hmm. So the week prior to Holy Week, in other words, would be be the beginning of Passion Tide. But that's where the name Passion Sunday comes from not because the Passion was read on that Sunday. Right. So I think sometimes there's a, there's an appeal to tradition that's made that's not, actually not true. Yeah. There is no tradition of reading the Passion on a different Sunday other than what we now call Palm Sunday. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm glad you agree.
1: Yes. Thanks for joining us today for this episode of All Things Right and Musical. If you've enjoyed this episode about the Sunday of the Passion, Palm Sunday, we hope you'll tell us about it. You can find us on the web at writeandmusical.org. That's R-I-T-E and musical.org. And you can also follow both David and I and the show itself on Twitter. So thanks especially to our generous patrons who support this show on Patreon. And thank you for listening. We'll see you next time. And podcast listeners, a reminder about another way to observe the season of Lent.
0: It's our sister podcast, Songs in the Desert. It's about hymns. comes out every weekday in Lent, and you can learn more about that at songsinthedesert.org.